We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to... And bring up my co-host. Mr. Percy Iden, are you... Hold on. Oh, there we go. Yo. Give me one second. You good? I got too much going on. <laughs> Let me get a box score up. There we go. All right. Hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, fun night last night. Can't wait to can't wait to get into it. We'll give everyone else a minute and then we will start. I'm tweeting out the space right now. Getting things set up. Y'all know how it is. Let people file in a little bit. Absolutely. I'm going to do the same thing. Um, all right. 30 more seconds. That was a fun game to watch yesterday, man. Yes, relatively stress-free. All right. All right, let's start. Uh, okay, so Andrew, we can start in three. 
two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode four of KFS Study Hall. I am your host, Sean with the W, and I'm joined as I am every Saturday for the last four, last three Saturdays, including today. And again, I don't know how he does it because he's a 20 year old college kid. Chris Persiani. Chris, how are you? Um, somewhat zombie like, but always here to talk about my Knicks, as you are saying. Uh, I was indeed out and about last night. We had a little, uh, you know, like, I guess, like WFUV, like sports, like little station gathering, you know, watch some Knicks together. Uh, fun, fun time. And then, um, yeah, now after that win, I get to come on and, and do a little, I'm not gloating, but you know what I mean? Like we get to just bathe in the, the happiness of the win. You know, it's a, we spend so much time after the first game on Twitter. Everyone's like, oh my God, this and this. And, you know, so now we're the best team on the planet for, for the next 24 hours, which is, which is fun. If we're overreacting and now we get to do it positively. So. Yes, we need a yin, we need a yin and a yang. And mon and Monday, not Monday. Uh, Wednesday was the yin, so today will be the yang. Um, all right. So first, I want to give a shout out to everyone that's in the room so far. Bank guy, what's up, Melly? Uh, congrats! I heard you won free tickets uh, to the game yesterday. Uh, did not get to run into you, but hopefully get to run into you at the garden soon. Um, anonymous BX Burner seven one eight. What's up with you? Chip Murphy seven. We got Walt. We got uh Mr. Lubin. What's up? Uh, Sin City. Sin uh, I I get that right. Uh, what's up? What's up? Lee Jeremy E. As always, up, welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. So um, so I tweeted out a little rundown. So we'll just get right to it. First topic is um things that we love. So Chris, I will yield the floor to you. Uh, what are some things that you have loved, liked, or really loved after our first two games that count? I'm going to give the answer that every single person in this fan base was expecting. I don't think there was a single doubt out there, if I remember correctly, that this guy would be our superstar this year. Julius Randle, man. <laughs> I, I think, uh, to be serious here, um, I'm not surprised by what we're seeing so far because it's what I said would happen. But you ever spend so much time saying a word that it's like it becomes like not a real word in your head? Like you, like you for me, Paul George, his name, because it's two first names. If I ever say his name a bunch of times and like read it a lot, the words stop looking real, all the vowels next to each other and stuff like I don't know. I'm using this analogy because it's like I spend so much time arguing that. Randall would actually not be an asshole this season. Like watching him do it has been almost like I, I don't want to say unbelievable, but it's like yo, like oh wow, this is actually happening. Like he's actually not actively sabotaging our team. Like this is actually cool. Um, I think he's looked really good these first two games. There are obviously uh, I don't want to say a plethora, but you know maybe a fair amount of shots that he's taken that you just never want to see him take again. Um, but uh, that's kind of the Randall experience, right? Is uh, getting this good play and still you know I guess phasing some of these moments out. So listen, <laughs> that's the first player I'm shouting out through this first week of games because. I forget what the stat sheet says. Like he just looks 
like a better teammate out there. I know the bar's in hell, but like he looks like a better teammate. He looks like he's having fun out there. He looks like he's encouraging the guys. He he started like a quick little huddle last night to give some defensive pointers to the other guys. And it's like, yo, not only is he actually trying on that end, but he's actually like leading on that end. Like, wow, who would have thought? <laughs> you know, again, I get the bars in hell, but he's actually doing like every single one of the things that we wanted to see from him last year, which is uh, exhibit a bit of maturity out there, exhibit a bit of accountability on defense, try to hustle. He's high-fiving guys after transitions, whatever, which is not something to be praised for, but what it is is noticeable, and, and it's noticeably different behavior from him in a positive direction. So I'm going to point it out and say a shout-out to him. Um, and then really quick, my second thing is, is our offensive play calling. I, I've seen a lot of different plays from Thibodeau, um, one of my personal favorite plays in all of basketball is the Spain pick and roll. Uh, when I coach seventh and eighth graders, I actually teach them like a really simplified version version of it that works really well. I just I love that play. Um, and Tibbs actually ran it. He used IQ as a screener. I know my guy FBL Sam pointed it out that he used IQ as a screener finally last night. Like, there's just things that he's doing that are like, hey, this guy may have actually like taken some time to think about how he could optimize the talent on this roster instead of how he can fit the pieces on this roster into his puzzle. He's trying to actually make the best picture he can with the puzzle pieces he has. And it's like, oh, that's what a coach does. Oh, that's what a star player does. Like Again, the bar was in hell for both of these guys last year, but they're both looking pretty good to, through these first two games. Can't can't disagree with that. Um, <clears throat> Jules has looked better. He's you know, he's not he's playing within the offense and he's getting his and he's getting his buckets. And <clears throat> so far, um, there's something that Tim did do, and you know that I do like. So I'm not mad at both. I'm not mad at both of those choices, especially with Julius, because like the amount of stuff, the amount of crap we give Julius, we have to give him his props on this too. For me. Um, what I loved at first, I loved RJ's bounce back. Uh, I tweeted before the game um, to the tweet said to my prodigal son, Rowan Jr. And it's the clip of Michael Irvin basically saying, nobody believes in you. What are you going to do about it? Because after Monday, <laughs> I mean, after Wednesday, he, um, he, uh, I'm actually going to put it in Jumbotron. Um, but after Wednesday, he took a beating Wednesday and I was, and rightfully so. So for him to bounce back, a little bit more playmaking last night, sharing, finishing at, improving his finishing at the rim after Wednesday. That was good to see because he very, very well could have uh, spiraled into a tailspin. Uh, the other thing that I learned, um, the other thing that I loved was, wait, I just had this written down. I wrote this down somewhere and now it's, just, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing that I loved uh, was actually, um, Tibbs keeping Mitchell Robinson on the bench in the Memphis game. And I loved it because we all know that Mitch, one of Mitch's bucket boosts has been getting in foul trouble. And, you know, it looked like sometimes he's getting better that he got reverted back to his ways. And I saw a lot of people saying, like, why wasn't Mitch in the game down the end? We're getting killed in the offensive class. And Tibbs, and I, and rightfully so, said, I'm going to bench you. And it's funny because, you know, we always talk about Tibbs' development or lack thereof. Is he developing these kids? To me, that was a developmental move. Like, 
want like yes, I could let you play play until you get your sixth foul, but no, you're going to sit here with five fouls and watch the rest of the game. And maybe if you do not, and maybe if you stop jumping into people, maybe you'll get, you'll be get to you'll get the finish game. So I love that accountability that he's get that he's given. And then the last thing is, you know, you 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 spoke to it. You know, Julius playing within himself. Um, he's not trying to do too much. He doesn't have to do too much. Maybe he's never wanted to do so much. Um, but playing within himself, within the offense, making quick decisions, making the right plays. Um, I do think there was a, there was a shot, there was an opportunity yesterday where he got the ball right below the elbow, and he immediately was uh, dished out to the wing. And I was sitting next to Cedric and Cedric Shine, and I said, "Julius would have shot that last year." And he said, "Absolutely." So I love to see that. He's you know, hopefully it sticks. Hopefully it sticks. But I love to see it. All right. So those are the things that we loved. Let's talk about the things that we hated or did not like. Um, and one thing I've not liked out of the first two games is Tom Thibodeau's inflexibility. Um, Tom Thibodeau is 60-something years old, 63, 64 years old. I understand that at this point, this point he is who he is. He has his ways. But at the same time, like, to your point, you did you said, Chris, that he was – he was being looks like he was being more innovative of his offense, which is good. But there's other things that he's just like inflexible about. Like why the like why the fuck are RJ Barrett and J- and Jalen Brunson going back in the game with four minutes and twenty nine seconds left and a game four minutes and thirty nine seconds left and we're up one fifteen ninety three. And you actually could hear like the stir in the garden whenever when everyone saw him go to the scores table. Like, why? And the funny thing is, so they go in the game, and then he's about to, and then he's about to put Mitch in the game. But we go on a little run, and we go on a little run, and and uh, Dwayne Casey calls timeout. And he's clearly like you're calling off the dogs, and then it's like okay, and then the I see Jericho Sims get up. So between that and the other thing, like. It, and uh, Benji Ritholtz mentioned this on the latest episode of KFS with John uh, that dropped on Friday. Like, the Obi Toppin thing. Like, you, you say all these things about Obi Toppin and how he's worked hard, he's done this, he's done that. And then you play him 13. You play him 13 minutes game one. Like, and then you play him. I'm going to look this up right here. Exactly how many minutes. I feel like he played more t- minutes because it was a blowout. He played. He played 21 minutes, but he probably would have. That game was anywhere close. He probably gets pulled with like six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, like I was tell, like Cedric and I were going back and forth, and I was just saying like, and he was like, "Well, you know, Obi needs to do this, and Obi needs to do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, but Obi, like, when will this team let Obi be Obi?" Instead of saying like, instead of concentrating what he can't do, I'm not saying that he shouldn't improve, but like, why, like. The next time this this franchise puts Obi in a position to succeed on the court, it'll be the first time. Like I would yeah. love to just see what we have. Like we have a player who's going to be contract extension eligible in a year, and we still don't know who he is. Got head coach is like, well, he doesn't do A, B, and C, so I'm not going to play him. It, it's just frustrating. Obi Obi spent his rookie year cosplaying Trevor Ariza for a living. Um, <laughs> it, it's just not what he does that it, at, in a game of basketball. Like realistically, Trevor Ariza like had it back in the day. I'm not trying to you know like whatever. I'm not trying to shit on Trevor Ariza unnecessarily, but like 
fucking Pibbs had him standing in the corner just with popcorn in his hands. And then the second that his 10 minutes ran out, boom, pulled, bench. So now, finally, last year, he got to play more. He learned throughout the year how to contribute in those few minutes. Uh, we saw him contribute in playoff basketball. We saw him contribute as a starter. We saw him last night have three assists because since his rookie year, I've been pointing out that Obi Toppin's passing is might be the best on our team. Now we have Jalen Brunson, so I'm no longer making that claim. I'm no longer making that claim. However, last year I was of the opinion that the best passer on the New York Knickerbockers was Obi Toppin. And the reason I said it was because he knows plays so well. He, you watch him at Dayton. Um, he was in a much different role, naturally, but, man, he was always making the right reads. And you see him now in the NBA. Obviously, he doesn't have the muscle, uh, the balance, all that to, to post people up. So, you know, a lot of people like to make fun of the people that talked about Obi's, you know, center of gravity and all that. Like, people make fun of, like, oh, yeah, what, what about the center of gravity now that he's really good? It's actually, you know, it still matters. <laughs> still matters. It's why he can't post people up. So, for everyone who's making fun of like the the neck experts out there that were talking about like why he can't post people up, like they were right, not objectively. Still doesn't mean that Obi cannot be a really good player because he already is one. He already is a really good player, and you know I just put a tweet up on the jumbotron. Keith Smith, uh, Celtics guy, but Keith is one of those guys. Like when he puts out a tweet about another team, like he's probably saying that's like Zach Lowe. It's like he's probably saying something right. So. He said, I know it was the nature of the game being a blowout, but let's get that much Obi Toppin all the time, please. Yeah, man. I mean, he had 16 points, I believe, but we know he had three assists. He's just a good passer, and he should be allowed to show it more because it's literally good for our offense to have a big man out there who can swing the rock productively, not just effectively. No, 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 no. Like It's like smart. It's intuitive. It's, it's He's really good out there, and he should be allowed to do stuff he's good at. I feel like... I said earlier I gave Tibbs the shout for, you know, trying out some new stuff. It still doesn't mean he's done everything. You know, he still needs to give a couple different things a look. Um, namely, how about, you know, that stretch five we signed? And I put a thread out over the offseason saying he wasn't a real three-point shooter. But, like, if he made a three like he had in that game the other night, why can't he stand in the corner for one freaking play? So that IQ could bring the ball up the court and get a pick and roll with Obi. And Obi can be the roll man to the paint instead of standing on the wing or in the corner waiting for an open catch and shoot three. What if he just did the thing that he's good at? That's exactly what I that's exactly what I said to Cedric last night. Like, when are we gonna let Obi top and be Obi top and like just let Obi be Obi? Um so that's frustrating with Tim's. Now I will I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Tibbs some some praise really quickly, and then if anyone else, if anyone wants to share what they liked or didn't like about the first uh, about the first two games uh, for Crush to speak, we'll bring up to the stage. Um, after uh, the Memphis game, um, everyone remembers the play that we ran to tie it up with the Cam Reddish three, and I heard a lot of stuff on the timeline about, um, oh, that's the. That's the best play Tibbs ever done in his, in his life. There's no way he could have drawn that up. There's no way that's a Tibbs play. We have to stop. I know it's fun to dump in the head coach, and Lord knows I've dumped him in this just as much as anything. But we don't have to go out of our way to lie. 
like it's almost like every there's some people just in general like everything that's good that everything that happens with the team that's good is anti tips or is in spite of tips. Like I've heard people in this app say, um, our players are developing in spite of tips. Like, I'm sorry, do you think they're doing the opposite of what Tom Thibodeau does and still gets to play? That doesn't make any damn sense. Um, we need to we need to cut that out. We 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 absolutely need to cut that out. Um. Give, 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 and I know somewhere Jonathan Macri is smiling, but we need to, like, listen, Dom Sibble give us plenty of reasons to slander him. We do not have to make any of them up. And with that said, we are now open to the stage. My man, Reese. We got to get Reese J up, but let me get one sentence in. Go ahead. Same exact damn thing goes for Emmanuel Quickly and Cam Reddish. We can talk about Cam having a good game, and we can talk about IQ. Once again, just like the start of last season, struggling with the balance of scoring and playmaking. What we do not have to do is write some goddamn fan fiction about how we believe as a fan base that Emmanuel quickly doesn't like Cam Reddish. Someone in this fan base, I'm not naming names because I refuse to give any legitimacy to this freaking tweet. Someone in this fan base tagged both of them this morning, was like, Good game, guys, but at IQ Godson, why don't you like at Cam Reddish? You guys need to work together. You're strong, successful young men. Like, you got to team up, you know? Like, you can't, like, be preferential to him. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Dude, put down the laptop. Get off, like, whatever, like, TV shows you're watching are messing with your head. Not everything is a reality show. This is professional sports. Like, the idea that this the fan base has that Emmanuel quickly doesn't like Cam Reddish and that's why he doesn't pass. What the hell are you watching? Tell Cam to stop sulking in the corner and get open. Like there's at a certain point we have to stop watching players on this team like they're our own kids. Like you got to just watch what's going on. If it was my son, sure, maybe I'd be like, oh, that kid must not like him. What I I'd make something up. I'd be mad too. But how as a fan of the team are you so mad that this one player? isn't getting the ball as much as you'd like that you're making shit up about other players on your team to try and justify it and then tagging them in it trying to be like IQ is going to see that tweet and be like oh shit I don't hate Cam Reddish anymore guy like really what are we doing I don't know Reese J talk to us you know <laughs> just I was going to I was going to get in my bag about you know certain fans from Florida, but you kind of just let me, you kind of just took the whole thing from me. So I guess I'm going to pivot to my second topic, which is uh, RJ Barrett led the the starters in scoring, if I'm not mistaken, right? Am, am I, am I'll, I'll, check that? I'll, I'll check that. Yeah, I think he, I think he led the starters in scoring and this was one of the, that's why I was being quiet. Yes, he did by one point. All right. So, this is one of the big things that I wanted to see coming into the season was how RJ is going to get his, uh, especially with, you know, signing Jalen Brunson and Julius on the court and everything. It was like one of the biggest question marks is, is J- uh, RJ going to be able to take that next step in scoring or this, that, and the third? And honestly, man, after watching last night, and I know, like, you can have all the caveats. It's, you know, the Detroit Pistons and they're young. They're not very good defensively, this, that, and the third. But, at the end of the day, <clears throat> RJ still got his, and it was like relatively effortless from him, which is what we all like to see. We all know what the kind of player RJ is, 
And I just love seeing that RJ is able to get his and get a smooth 18, what is it, 18, 5 and 3 or some shit like that. Yeah, he was 0 for 3 from 3, too. Exactly. So. If he hits two of those, two of them were like wide open. One of them was at the end of the game. That's 24 right there. So this kid is very clearly, uh, to your point here, which I think is a great one, this kid is very blatantly. Um, um, if if the offense progressing, it, like bear with me in this like insane ass analogy. If the, if the offense progressing is like water dropping through like a you know system or whatever, like RJ's like the funnel at the top. Like everything runs through him. He's literally the first of everything. Like everything goes through him in the sense of if there's off ball movement to be done in a play, RJ's probably the best cutter we have on the team. If there's initiation to be done on the play, RJ is probably the best driver. We you know, like there's just so many incidences where it makes sense to have him involved and Tibbs is finally getting in this mode where y'all know how Tibbs is where with his favorite dudes that he literally can't take them off the court. He used to do it with RJ in rookie year. Remember that? Remember that love Tommy Tibbs had for RJ rookie year? He couldn't take the guy off the court. But then we got more vets, more guys Tibbs likes, and he started being a little more distributable with his minutes. Now we're getting to the point where RJ's leveling up as a player over time. And he's getting back to being unable to bench the kid. Like, I'm not saying unable, like, RJ's being a bad... Okay, there goes my alarm clock. I'm not saying unable, like, RJ's being a bad sport. I'm saying unable, like, the kid's playing so well, he literally cannot justify removing him from the the 94-foot hardwood. Like, he's so good, man. It gets me so excited. And I think this fan base just showed themselves again as being impatient when... RJ had a bad, terrible game out of hell to start. And the narrative wasn't – instead of it being, ah, here we are, guys, RJ's annual stinker to start the year. Like, good thing we got it out of the way. The narrative was like, holy fucking shit. Like, where the hell is the glass door? Smash it. Don't let Amari do it. But hit the red button and get us the hell out of this building. Evacuate the RJ train. We need to go. We're all going to die. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's like, really, man? Like, you watched this kid struggle to start the year the last two years, and this is what you're worried about? Like, are we serious? I don't know. I no, we're not serious. serious. That's the that's the answer to the question. <laughs> Niggas aren't serious. Nobody's serious in this fan base. People and spent the whole summer waiting for something to get riled up about for real because they were getting riled up about nothing, which I understand. That's what we do. But, like, now the little things are popping up to get riled up about. And it's like, yeah, I'm actually going to make up a story about two players' off-court relationship because in my head it justifies the play on the court. All right. <laughs> But anyways, I'd like to give a thanks to Chris. Thank you, Sean. Shout out to uh, Nick's Film School, everything. I just want to get that in. RJ, all-star run incoming. Uh, we got two all-stars in the starting lineup, and we got three starters on the bench. So y'all have a good one, and I'm out. <laughs> thank, thank you, Reese. We got three starters on the bench is a crazy way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. But I, I, I respect it. I respect right. it. He's right. Um, <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, so uh, I will say this to piggyback what you said, Chris. Like, and I'll say this yesterday. I said to I was in the space last night, not last night, yesterday afternoon, with State Jay from Florida, uh, Cassius, Kev. It was Nick Space or whatever. Shout out to everybody. Nick State Jake, I believe, was in there. And I said to everybody, I said to State, and I said to everybody, I was like, look, 
Tomorrow morning, win, lose, or draw. I don't want to hear no bitching and whining and complaining about Jaden Ivey or, or, or Jalen Duran. And I saw that Jalen Duran put up a crispy eight points last night, half of them in garbage time. Um, so, you know, him, so to show State, Bill Simmons, Sean Fennessy, you know, just keep, settle down. Settle down. Bankai. Oh, go ahead, Chris. If you have anything to say before we go to Bankai. Yeah, I was going to say on Ivy and Durin, like, as someone who liked both of those kids as prospects, um, I had Ivy over Jabari Smith. So that should give you a sense of how good I thought he was uh, when it comes to Jalen Durin. Who were some people I had I had Jalen Durin over on the big board that would, you know, like, I had Jalen Durin over Shaden Sharp. I had Jalen Durin over Tari Eason. I had Jalen Durin over Ben Matherin. I, I was really high on both of these kids, Okay. But I think it's really important to remember that these prospects are shots, right? How many number four picks do you remember from the last couple of years? How many of them were good? If you're only thinking of studs, do you remember Josh Jackson? <laughs> you know, like um, these are all shots. Detroit got, took two of them, two really good ones. It's perfect for where they are as a team if they think Cade's that guy and that these guys will work. We'll see how it works out for them. They might be stuck in mediocrity for years. Ivy might demand out in a You literally don't know what's going to happen. And I see people in our fan base complaining about Usman Jiang, complaining about you know Jalen Williams. I love Jalen Williams, the, the one that went to OKC. Um, actually, they both went to OKC, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, <laughs> the, the wing that went to OKC. Um, and yeah, it's like, for me, these kids look really good. I think the Knicks absolutely should have walked out of the first round of this draft with a prospect. I'm not defending this front office's choice to completely trade out. What I am going to say, and then we're going to let Bongai talk right after, is that the notion that we, as a Nick fan base, have to be monitoring these players on a nightly basis to be constantly upgrading or downgrading, but overall changing, constantly changing our grades on Leon Rose's tenure here. Like, take a deep breath. Have a cold glass of water. Go go order a pint at the local, you know, what's the Bourdain quote? You know, like, go, go, go talk to a stranger. Go order a pint at the local spot. Go for pizza at 4 a.m. Go live life. Go do something. I, if, if, if For someone whose, like, literal passion it is, whose dream it is to talk basketball for a living, I physically cannot bring myself to track other teams' young players through the lens of I wish we had them on a game-to-game -game basis. It's, it's not fun, right? If you buy a car for yourself – you maybe you didn't get a Ferrari, but you, you worked really hard and you got yourself a car. Do you drive that car and think, all right, well, I'm not going to celebrate this because my neighbor has a Benz and this looks like shit. Like you just learn to like enjoy your own life, right? That's an amazing uh, analogy. Amazing. I, I, can't, I can't get over this notion that like Nick fans are posted up on the driveway like nosy grandparents with the binoculars out looking through everyone's garage windows being like oh they might have gotten a bugatti oh that window's <laughs> but that window that might be a nice maserati oh one day the car in that garage might turn into a lamborghini meanwhile we've got a fucking mclaren behind us in in rj barrett <laughs> you know we've got a high-flying uh, pagani in obi toppin and we have a gorgeous gorgeous alfa romeo speedster in iq and they're not even hitting the road 
because we're too focused looking through everyone else's garages to see what car they may have gotten. Like, yo, turn around. Well said, well said, well said. Agreed on all points. Bankai, the floor is yours. Yeah, good, good morning. morning, man. What's up? Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, everybody. Uh, three things I loved about last night. Uh, the Jalen Brunson um, assist to turnover turnover ratio in the first two games has been, has been immaculate. I loved it. Uh, great shout there. Absolutely great point. Yeah, absolutely. Like this guy, he knows how to control the ball. He knows how to control the flow of the offense and the team. And, you know, he doesn't really have much uh, wasted motions. He gets to his spots. He finds the people he needs to find, and he's just very efficient with it. I love, I love that. Like we finally have a point guard. Uh, do, do you find that he he kind of plays how he talks? I, I know we haven't like yes. heard a lot from him yet. Yeah, that is perfect. But he kinda, That's perfect. Isn't that kind of funny? He plays how he talks. It's something I, I've noticed. He talks like an NJ hoop bro. As someone who grew up playing basketball in New Jersey, he talks like a New Jersey hoop bro. Um, just one of those like, yeah, man, I'm just out here, you know, just trying to move the rock, and I'm really just trying to, you know, set up my teammates. <laughs> he, it's like it's not boring, but it's so just like to the point. That you're like, yeah, no, that, that gets the job done. <laughs> right. He, like, he, he strikes me as somebody who doesn't care about any, like, any glitz, any glamour, any type of stuff. He just cares about playing and helping his team win. It he doesn't wants matter. to see his team put the ball in the hoop and walk out with a W, and that's about it. Exactly. Per- I couldn't have said it better. Um, another thing that I loved, uh, the bench. Uh, I was a little bit, I'm not going to lie, I was a little worried in preseason, maybe the first game of the season. I thought the bench was still trying to figure out um, how to gain that same chemistry and, you know, offensive firepower that they had two years ago. Uh, because I always thought that was one of our best features with OB, IQ, Derrick Rose and all. But last night, um, the guys who led the team in plus minus were IQ, OB, and Derrick Rose off the bench. And they were absolutely fabulous. They powered, you know, they picked up where the starting unit was um, was going. And they actually absolutely poured it on on the Pistons. And if the bench keeps keeps playing like they did last night, then people got to really watch out because this was the same potent bench that was like tearing up teams two years ago, right? Last season, because Derrick Rose was injured, we kind of lost a lot of the firepower there. But Derrick Rose being healthy is the big engine right there. Uh, my fault. There's a car passing by. Um, give me one second. All right. And the last thing that I loved is that. IQ finally passed the ball to Cam Reddish so people could shut the fuck up about this silly, like, narrative, bro. Like, it's, it's, let's keep it real here. Like, are we watching the New York Knicks? Are we fans of the, uh, fans of the New York Knicks? Or are we watching the real housewives of Madison Square Garden? Like, people need to stop coming up with bullshit, silly narratives. Like, first it was like, R.J. Barrett hates Julius Randle. Julius Randle hates R.J. Barrett, and they don't get along. Meanwhile, both both of them are, like, screaming at once and bumping. Uh, they uh, sit next to each other right, on the they, goddamn plane. They're, they're, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And then, oh, yeah, IQ hates Cam Reddish because he won't pass him the ball. Meanwhile, there's articles of them in, like, USA basketball combines, like, sitting next to each other saying, like, hey, you know, we're going. We're close friends. I like to pick his brain. I learn a lot. We learn a lot from each other, you know. And this friendship can only grow. There's articles about it, right? Like, stop with the bullshit. Stop trying to create like sensational bullshit. That are, are you TMZ or something? Like, enough with this with this nonsense. That's it. That's all I have to say. 
Bankai, well said. Well said. Um, yeah, listen, some people just want to, you know, create narratives to 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 satisfy an answer to a question they to satisfy to give themselves an answer for a question they don't have the answer for um i don't think iq dislikes cam reddish i think if you think iq is not passing cam the ball that's i think it's a bigger issue than whatever relationship he has a camera so yeah that's it's that's crazy if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's go to Brent. Brent, welcome to the stage. The floor is yours. Thanks, man. Uh... All right, just two things real quick. In terms of just like the basketball we've seen in the first two games, uh, it's been real up and down. I think Tibbs has done a better job than I expected with my low expectations for him. But, like, he's listened to the criticism. I think his rotations have been a lot better. I think he's willing to have more of the bench unit with the starters and more mix and match. I didn't think he'd be capable of that. So I can admit that I was, I was, too, I was wrong on that. And overall, I really like the way Jalen Brunson has played. People are focusing a lot on the assist to turnover thing, which I think is cool. But, like, I'm just focusing on the way he's able to get to the paint. I think despite the fact that our lineups don't have the best station in the world, it shows that what he's done when he was with Dallas is not a mirage. He's really that guy when it comes to getting to the paint and using all these moves that he has and just inside scoring in general. Like, he's that efficient. Like, he's really that guy in terms of being able to attack off the drive and all that. Word, yeah, word, word. Yeah, go ahead. I like, oh, go ahead, I like, Chris. I, I like those takeaways. Um, 
What, what up? First of all, I didn't even say good morning. How you doing, bro? Um, I'm good, man. Good to hear. I'm especially doing well after that win, so nice to hear. Um, I like those takeaways. I like that look on it. I think definitely, like, we're not looking at a, you know, like, what this team is going to be um, just because we don't have Grimes back yet. Usually with a Thibodeau team, it's usually safe through two games to be like, yep, we've seen the whole season. But um, once we get Grimes back, I'm really curious to see domino effect that that has i'm curious to see whether he brings him off the bench or whether he starts him if he's in the starting lineup will he ever get the ball will he be there to just stand in the corner will he remain coming off the bench so that he can actually get the ball <laughs> you know like if he gets in the starting lineup will evan look better with the be- i think like a lot of these questions we have about like certain little wrinkles like Maybe new wrinkles will appear, but some of these should get ironed out too just as the rotation settles. Um, me for the bench, I don't know what you thought, but like I thought like after game one, they looked again like Bank I was saying in the preseason, like they had never played together before. And then last night, obviously we were winning, and it's a little easier when you're playing from ahead, but they had the synergy going and Quick had it going and, and you see the electricity he brings, so you know, once we have Grimes, if he's coming off the bench, you have Rose, Grimes, and Quick that could go off for 20 any night, right? So, uh, and off the bench. And then you have Obi who could go off for, you know, 15 every single night if he wants. So, yeah, I, I just, I think a couple of these things will will change up. Like, we'll, we'll still change the questions we're asking. Um, but, yeah, like I said earlier, I was encouraged with Tibbs' playmaking and what he did to, like get certain guys involved in different ways. Like IQ had it going. He used him as a secondary roller in Spain PNR, which I thought was interesting. All right, hold on. Someone's at my doorbell. Let me check this out. No yeah. problem. But yeah, going against like that, like I really do think the main issue with the bench is the fact that like they don't know how to play. And Hardenstein is himself. They just need to adjust to each other because Hardenstein is such a different big than what we've had before. Like you can see, it just doesn't always connect for both sides. Like either he doesn't roll all the way to the paint or they're not predicting where his pass is going to go. Like, it's real. It's a work in progress, but it'll, it'll get there. It is a work in progress, and, you know, it's game two. So these guys have had, you know, they've had some preseason games. Obviously, they had training camp and practices or whatever. But, you know, sometimes it takes things to, uh, 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 a few weeks to mesh. So I'm not worried about the bench too much, although I feel as if uh, hopefully, you know, Rose is working himself back. They're just taking it easy off Rose because obviously you only played 12 minutes game one, and – it didn't look the best, so hopefully we have time to call us. All right, thank you, Brent. Let's go to Far Ronaldo. Far Ronaldo, welcome to the stage. The floor is yours. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I'd like to say thank you to Sean. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me up here. What up, Farrell? Uh, yeah, what's up? Yeah, what's up? Um, man, I, I don't really have much to say, man. I, You know, after a game like that, it's just so great to watch. But, um <sighs> You know, we all saw it. We're all on Twitter. So I just got to say one thing, man. If you watch a basketball game and a player you drafted in the second round comes off the bench and gives you 20 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists, kindly shut the fuck up forever. Don't say anything else. Just don't say anything else. Watch the game, enjoy it, and shut up. Anyways, y'all have a good day, man. Uh, go Knicks. Shout out uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> Shout out Obi Toppin. And, uh... Yeah, just switch up to anyway. Y'all, y'all have a good one, man. <laughs> All right, Fernando. Thank you very much. Thank you very I'll be much, good, man. 
You, all right, you have a good weekend, bro. Uh, shout out to CT Pittman. I saw CT Pittman last night for the first time. That's uh, fire. I'll fuck out with CT at uh, Blarney's. Yeah, I saw him at Blarney yesterday. Uh, Julito was there. Shout out him. Shout out said. Uh, shout out. Um, uh, shout out. Uh, I hate Sean. Uh, shout out Danny B. Danny B was there. Got to, so got to meet a lot of people on Nick's Twitter that I didn't that you know I obviously didn't get to meet because I was living in Philadelphia for the last flash few years. So shout out to everybody. Um, I, again, I'm a partial season ticket holder, so I will be at the Garden uh, plenty of times this year. So hopefully, you know, we we all can link up. Um, all right. So I got, I got, um, I got two awards I'd like to give out on a weekly basis. The first award is called the the name is pending. It's the Nick of the Week. Uh, the, 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 that name is weak. I could come up with something more snazzy, but I came up with this yesterday, so sue me. So that the name is pending to change. Um, but See, I'm gonna give out a Acri does stars of the game. Otherwise, because we're study hall, I'd be like, we give out a gold star, you know, like on some like first grade shit. But that's not a bad idea. Like who gets a gold who gets a gold star? The gold star award. Uh all right, so we're gonna keep workshopping it. So we're gonna do that and then we're gonna do uh the CTS award. And CTS stands for cut the shit. And it's for the someone. It's for Nick who needs to cut the shit. And if you don't know what that means, I don't know what to tell you. So first, I would like to give the Nick of the Week award to excuse me, the Gold Star to Mister Jalen Brunson. It is so effing refreshing to have a legitimate point guard who can get into the rap, get to the paint, and finish and shoot and play make like it's so refreshing because he just literally makes everyone's lives easier he had an impact on the game on game one and he shot seven for eight seven for 18 and he still finished with nine assists um it's so refreshing it's so refreshing like this team is going to be there are going to be games this year that we lost last season that we will win this year simply because he exists because I think of how many games that we flushed down the drain last year because we couldn't close because we couldn't get people in the right spots and we had to, you know, Julius end up having to like you know save the offense of a contested eighteen footer. So, um, he is so he gets my uh, gold star, Chris. I don't know if you had a gold star for anyone. If you didn't, that's okay. Tough love is necessary sometimes. Uh, but do you have a gold star for anyone? Um, no. Good, tough love. Fuck them. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have a gold star. There's nobody through the first two games that says to me, uh, "That's exactly what I wanted from them." And guess what? It was the first two games, so <laughs> it's no big deal. Absolutely. You know, Tibbs will be better. Uh, Randall and Tibbs were better than last year. That's something. RJ, one bad game, one pretty good game. Uh, not not great. Like let let's let these guys settle in, and then we can really start looking at. Um, for me at least, just personally, like I can start looking at giving out you know like merit based awards. Right now, everyone's just finding their their seats. Like they sat in different seats the first two classes. Like I can't really have an organized class yet. I'm still learning their names and stuff. You know what I'm saying. They got to they gotta settle in. They'll start sitting in the same seat every day, start taking notes, whatever. And then I'll be like, all right, yeah, that's the, that's the good student. All right, like, listen, tough love. That's fine. You know, uh, we don't have to give up participation trophies. 
uh, I feel I've given mine to Jalen Brunson. You chose to give it nobody. That's perfectly fine. Because maybe next week, maybe next week, no one will get it from me. Um, so we'll see. Now, for the Cut the Shit Award, um, I'm going to start with an analogy. And the analogy is, you know, let's say you are, you've met someone that tickles your fancy that you'd like to pursue some type of relationship with. And, you know, you, you insist, you insist that person you're dating, getting to know each other, getting more comfortable with you. But for some reason, you just can't get over the hump. You can't, this, this, this person does not like you enough and it bothers you. And then you're like, you know what? And you stop pursuing the relationship with said person. And then said person goes and a few weeks later starts dating somebody else, which is fine. But then this person is constantly tweeting about how they should have ended up with you and they really liked you and they were really, really wanting to be with you, but it didn't happen. And imagine if someone did that, was posting about that on Twitter and IG stores all the time. That's exactly what Donovan Mitchell is doing. And it is fitting because we're the Knicks that the first cut the shit award goes to a non-Nick Donovan Mitchell. Donovan. Can you please stop going on all forms of recorded media to remind everybody about how you thought you were a Nick and you're almost a Nick and you wanted to be a Nick? We haven't said he wanted to be a Nick, but he thought he's going to be a Nick and it's almost there as what he assumed. Like, stop. Stop. Let it go. Move on. Please let it go. Like, this has been, it's been, that was six weeks now. You have a new team. You know, we we see you now wearing Guardians jerseys. You know how that turned out for them, and 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 re and, and reposting ESPN uh, trolling us with the Spider Man shit. Like, it's okay. We understand. We we understand that you thought you're coming to New York, and deep down inside, we know you wanted to be in New York, and we also know you didn't have the grapefruits. To tell to to demand to Danny Ainge where you're gonna go because you wanted to be liked by the fan base that guess what isn't gonna like you anyway because no fan base likes a homegrown star when they when they leave even if it wasn't by even if it was by trade because they will intimate that you asked for that you asked for the trade so my cut the shit award goes to Donovan Mitchell and honorable mention goes to all the Knicks fans who like to cry about players we don't have. We don't have Jalen Duran. We don't have Tari Easton. We don't have Jaden Ivey. We don't have... We don't have SGA. We don't have... Uh, like, just, like, guys. We don't have Shaden Sharp. That's the new one. Uh, like, guys. Guys, listen. Let it go. We couldn't trade for half those guys. I don't know who told... I say this all the time. Like when when all of a sudden it was decided that we we're getting Jaden Ivy, who told you we we're getting Jaden Ivy? Who told you? Nobody told you. It like came, no, the internet told you, close, man. It came close, and I said at the time, "Hey, this is something that is definitely like a real thing. That there is friction here. Like there's something real here. There's not something done here." And then draft night came. Uh, the Pistons did the Ainge thing of like, oh, well, we're on the clock, and if you want it, you got to give us this many unprotected picks right now. And the Knicks were like, no. And they were like, okay. That was that. So it's like, oh, like, is that our fault? I guess. I guess it's our fault for not – again, like I always talk about, you know, like assets. I try to make analogies to try and like 
like not dumb it down, but just like help people think of it in a different way. Like if you save up for a couple months and you're ready to drop $89,000 on a car, it's a lot of freaking money and you're going to buy a car brand new. You get to the dealership. It's the exact same car. It's not a new year. It's nothing new, nothing different about it. And they're like, it's going to be $119,000. And you're like, why? And they're like, because you're here to get the car now. And if you want it, then you have to pay us for it. Would you do that? If you even have the money, like what the hell? Like, no. So it doesn't make sense, right? So it, it, that, that, you know, that's what Ainge did to us. It's what Detroit did to us. They're, they're trying to pull all of our picks from out under us and – it's like if you want to say it's not in like negotiating in good faith, you could. Um, but I wouldn't say that about the draft night deal. I was actually told that the the Knicks might have been the more unpleasant party to deal with on draft night with not succumbing to Detroit's demands. But that also just might be Detroit being mad that they didn't cough everything up. So you have to kind of know how you read between the lines there. But yeah, it's like these deals are no foregone conclusion. Just like. The Knicks are definitely active. I'll say that. The Knicks have been very active recently. They were in the Ivy talks. They were in the Mitchell talks. They were in all these talks, and they were active in them because they're genuinely looking into trades to make to bring a stud guard onto this team. Um, none of them landed, and I'm okay with it because it would have resulted in us giving up way too much for the the kind of player we were getting back. Apparently, it, we should have traded six first-round draft picks to um, – to Utah to get Donovan Mitchell. And actually, I went to a back and forth with um, Eric St. Croix and um, I'm going to one day next week, I'm going to dissect what it would have looked like, what our team would have looked like, and what we would have been able to, how difficult building a championship contender would have been if we had traded six first-round picks and a handful of kids for Donovan Mitchell. So, um, alright, so that is it. Um, Unless anyone else has, wants to come up and say anything, uh, anyone feel free to re- feel free to request. If not, I would like to thank Chris Persianen for joining me on this Saturday morning. Uh, I think we're going to figure out a permanent schedule by next week. I don't think it'll be Saturday mornings, um, but we'll figure it out. Uh, but I want to thank everyone who came through. I want to thank everyone in the audience. Deej, I see you just pulled up. Uh, he pulled up a little late. Uh, most Steph, good to see you as well. Um, and thank you very much, everyone. Um, again, you know, we're one on one. We have two more games. We have the Magic and then we have the Hornets. We should win both of them and be three and one. And if we lose, if we lose one of them, it'll be disappointing. If we lose to the Magic, I'm going to be very upset because, as, as I said last week, that is a team that came into the garden and grinded their feet on our couch, not once, but twice. Like, if we don't they're take care of business now, they're a much better team now. Well, sh- if they listen, beat beat the fucking Magic. All right, beat yep. them. If you listen, like as I said earlier, as I said yesterday, you know this team isn't good enough to. We're going to be out town the most nights, so we need to beat the teams that we can say that we have we have that we're better than or on the same level as us. And yes, they have a bunch of talent. They got a young, bunch of young kids. I heard Powell looks fantastic already. But beat, beat the Magic. I can accept a, a Hornets loss. It will be begrudgingly, but I will accept it. I cannot accept a loss, or, or at least coming out as flat as they did and, uh, and, and uninspired as they did last year against Orlando twice. 
Like the first time they took them for granted, like, all right, because they kicked their ass for like 45 points a few days before. But then having them come in there and show, show you up again is unacceptable. So beat the magic. Beat the magic. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, appreciate, you, appreciate you spending your uh, Saturday morning with us. Have a good, enjoy the rest of your weekend and go next. Peace out, y'all. Thank you. Thank you.